Welcome to Marriage and Money, a conversational podcast about personal financial topics aimed at improving conversations about money in your marriage so you can reach your dreams together. This is a weekly discussion brought to you by a seemingly financially incompatible couple bonded by the legal contract of marriage. My name is David, your favorite saver, and in addition to Heather, we are honored to be joined today by some good friends of ours. Please welcome to the show Matt and Lauren. Hi, Matt. Hi, Lauren. Hi. Hi, David. Hi, Heather. Yeah. <laughs> We're super excited to have our friends join us. I was thinking back, I think we met you guys, I think it's been nine years. Oh, my Great gosh. Week. That's awesome. So Ooh. we met Matt. We met Matt and Lauren when um, we moved out to California for my job, and Matt and I were working on the same team, and we found out we had really cool spouses, and the four of us had a lot of fun together. We've traveled, and we've both since moved a couple times since we met in California, and yeah, but it's been uh, it's been awesome to have them uh, in our lives. We learned a lot from them, so we're excited to hear what they have to say today. So, Matt and Lauren, how about, uh, would you guys like to introduce yourselves, tell our audience a little bit about uh, what you do, your family, um, what you guys like to do. Uh, so go ahead, Matt. Yeah, thanks, Heather. So my name is Matt. I work for a Fortune 500 food company and live in Minnesota. Lauren and I have been married, oh, I don't know how many years. I'll get in trouble here. Probably Going on 13 <laughs> in July. <laughs> uh, and we have two two wonderful kids. And in the theme of the podcast, if I had to pick, I'm the saver of the relationship. Although I think Lauren and I are both more towards the middle than Heather and David. <laughs> That's probably true, right? I would totally agree with that. So I'm Lauren. Uh, Matt and I, you know, we, we met because we both went to a prestigious school, Purdue University, <laughs> and we're both from the Midwest, and we have had a really, like, fun kind of adventurous marriage so far where we've kind of moved around like we met Heather and David in California and then we moved to New Mexico and now we live in Minnesota um and it's just been a really fun ride and it's been really great you know sharing a lot of those experiences and changes in our life with you and Heather and um it's just been I don't know you guys are great friends so it's I'm really flattered that you asked us to be on the show first of all um and then I'll get to your real question which was what do we do for a living and where do we live um so we live in Minnesota and I work for a environmental consulting agency. It's an employee owned company. It's, you know, 800 to a thousand ish people. And I think it's one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. Oh, awesome. And how, how do you have your finances set up as a couple? So normally when, when we have these conversations with people, we find it really interesting just to to see how people have their finances set up, whether that be separate, combined, or a hybrid. Everybody has their own own approach. How would you describe yours? So strangely enough, there's three financial entities in our marriage. So there's <laughs> Matt, there's Lauren, and then there's the family. And that's like family with a capital F. And so basically what we do, uh, most of our finances are combined under the family. And then both myself and Lauren each get a small amount of money um, each week or on a monthly basis. That is that, you know, basically you could consider your allowance. So you have Matt's money, you have Lauren's money, and you have the family, which gets the vast majority of the money. Yeah. And, and the family yeah. takes care of most things like the family pays the mortgage and the family pays the bills and 
family handles most of the stuff. And really the, the Lauren money and the Matt money is really just fun money. It's your spending money. And it really has come in handy because I'm sure like other couples you've talked to, uh, early on in our relationship, we used to kind of get on each other's cases about what we were spending money on and having kind of those separate accounts, like the allowance accounts, really helps us just avoid arguments about you're spending too much on X, Y, or Z uh, because it's it's like, hey, if it's your allowance money, you can spend it however you want. Like, I don't care. So it's it's been, I think, a good thing for us. Now, granted, I think over time that that's become easier to do. I think when we were first married, we had smaller allowances and, um, you know, things changed and it's, it's worked well for us for the most part, but there's still occasionally, you know, things we might disagree upon that the family is spending money on. So there's still, you know, you still have to have those conversations and make compromises. Yeah. I think uh, we actually stole that um, concept of the family from you guys because we loved it so much. And so that's come into our vernacular as well. And I think we've talked about it on an episode in reference that we stole it from somebody. So these are the, these are the people we stole it from. Oh, that's, that's flattering. been very inspiring for us. (laughs) Yeah. And, and one of the reasons that we really wanted to make sure we had a conversation with you today was because we we've had we've talked before with you around responsibilities and how you've broken up responsibilities across your marriage and I feel like you you as a couple have been um, more intentional about responsibility uh, delegation than than the average couple has and we we found that incredibly interesting. Could you tell us about how you've d- divided up your responsibilities, maybe maybe household responsibilities and how how you've had some creative ways to do that with chores or or other aspects of your marriage that you've worked through? And maybe how that came about, because. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a funny like, I'm story sure there about was a reason why you guys <laughs> had to define these uh, ownership. <laughs> there indeed was. There was an actual, I think, funny kind of jumping off point early on in our relationship. Um, you know, we, we hadn't really been as intentional about how are we going to divide responsibilities? And I think I was, you know, kind of passively aggressively letting the, the toilet bowl not be clean. And I was like, well, it's Matt's turn to clean it. I've done it. I'm just going to let it sit there. And I was just getting more and more irritated because it wasn't getting done and he wasn't seeing that it needed to be done. And I was like, (laughs) I'm not going to tell him to do it. I'm not his mom. And then eventually I like, just couldn't hold it in anymore. And I was kind of letting it out. I was like, I can't believe it. you haven't cleaned this toilet. I did it last time. Someone needs to do it. You've got to do it. And it was like, you know, we were going to bed. It was, it was maybe like 10 o'clock at night. I remember. And yeah. Matt said, I'm going to get out of this bed and <laughs> clean this toilet right now. And then, you know, after cooler heads prevailed later on, we had a conversation about it. And, you know, we decided that it would be worthwhile to hire a housekeeper to come every couple of weeks just to kind of stay on top of some of those things so that we wouldn't have to, you know, have that argument and have to, you know, struggle with remembering whose turn it was. And that's obviously not something that everybody can do. Um, But at that point in time, we were like, I think, saving on a lot of fronts. And we said, this is one area where we can just go ahead and kind of splurge a little so that we we were both working, we're both kind of busy. We like to have fun on the weekends. We didn't want to be, you know, spending the precious free time that we had 
arguing about whose turn it was to clean the toilet. And so I think, Matt, you'll agree, like, that happened kind of early in our relationship, but Mm -hmm. it was really worthwhile. Like, and we've continued to have a house cleaning service come every other week. Yeah, I mean, if you're cleaning a toilet at midnight, something's gone wrong, right? Uh, <laughs> while, while your spouse is yelling at you, that's that's not a good situation. But, you know, the, the one thing I would add <clears throat> is it's been dynamic. Uh, as we mentioned, we've been married about 13 years now, um, and it's not the same today as it was 13 years ago for a variety of reasons, right? But um, one of the things we, you know, talk about is like, I think the economists call it comparative advantage, right? Like if there's something that <clears throat> I'm going to be more naturally suited and capable of doing, maybe that makes sense for me to do it all the time. Um, and so, for example, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but I seem to be more inclined to making meals, right? So I make dinner every night. And for probably the first half or so of our marriage, Lauren did the dishes every night. Well, then we had kids, right? And the dynamic changed. Lauren was doing more childcare. There were kids to watch, nursing, diapers, all that. And so now I make dinner and I do the dishes, right? And it's that's just how things have have had to shift over time. Um, but you know, in in the theme of the podcast, we do have to talk about it. It doesn't just happen. And I think where we've had conflict is when e- either people think it's unbalanced or uh, people are just making assumptions about what the other person should be doing, right? And so that's where we kind of have to sit down and say, I mean, we get we get to the nitty gritty details. Um, we, we recently had, <clears throat> we'll occasionally enjoy ice cream from time to time, which I know uh, the Singapore <laughs> expat is also quite fond of the <laughs> ice cream. Um, but so we were we were dealing with um, some middle of the night stuff with the kids, and the deal we came to was if one of us can sit on the couch, uh, comfy under a blanket watching the TV while the other goes and scoops the ice cream. The exchange would be the person who relaxed on the couch does the middle of the night stuff with the kids, right? And so, you know, even something as simple as who's going to walk upstairs and scoop the ice cream, we talked about it rather than just assume who it's going to be each night and get get into a tiny conflict. Yeah. And, and I do think as we've, you know, as our family has grown, like we've kind of settled into more routines and those routines will change over time as, you know, needs shift and the balance of, you know, tasks and responsibilities kind of shift with like the kids. Um, but it certainly, I think, is more routine than maybe it was before we had kids. And I, I think I'll add just like, I think it's a really common experience when people have young children that somebody always feels like maybe everybody always feels like there's too much to do because there just really is a lot to do when you have little kids. Um, And so I, I mean, not that it is great when you're in the middle of it, but I would be surprised if anybody could say they got through the entire toddlerhood years without an argument with their spouse about who was doing more. I think it's just really common. And I think that you just have to remember that you're in it together and you need to talk about when, when you're feeling unbalanced and, there are times like when one of us isn't feeling great, the other one will say, hey, why don't you go take a rest? I'll take care of the kids for a couple hours so you can, you know, get a nap in or vice versa. Sometimes one of us will ask the other one, hey, I, I really need a nap. I'm tired. Can you take over? Um, and, you know, generally it all works out in the end. So we we try to be flexible with each other. <laughs> Yeah, it, it sounds very similar to the conversation we were having on Compromise, where it's going to it's going to 
change between who, who's doing more at one time versus who's doing more at another time. And and uh, then, like you said, certainly playing to your strengths and going to, to where you have a greater interest and where you're most capable uh, makes, makes a big difference as well. So I really like that. But I think that's a really good point. We talk a lot about like not having assumptions and needing to communicate with your spouse, but it's a really good point that it's going to continue to change and evolve. So just because you had that conversation at one point and you're like, well, you told me one time that it, you will wash the dishes and I'm going to cook. We talked about that, but it's like, Hey, don't, again, don't assume that just because even if you've had a conversation that that's off the table and never should be talked about again, because like you said, life situations happen. And I think that's a good reminder because people think, well, we, we talked about this. Remember we talked about it. We agree. Right. <laughs> like, well, we locked that down. Right. It. You know? Yeah. yeah. No, really and it, yeah. And I, I don't know, at least I feel like in our life with our young kids, just seeing them grow and how much they change over time and like what they need is so different. Like, I think it's just more obvious to us right now that things are changing and evolving. But I think sometimes if you don't have those really obvious external signals that you just, it's easy to assume, well, yeah, we had this worked out. Um, But, you know, there's lots of things outside of your own personal home that can have a big impact on, you know, what people are capable or have the energy to do somebody's job picks up and gets real crazy. You know, it's, it's just Mm -hmm. always a balancing act, I think, on all the different fronts that we have in our lives. Yeah. So what about when you think about the financial responsibilities in your house? So, you know, I don't know if you guys do a budget or paying bills or investing. How have you decided or how have you guys worked out? And maybe that's changed as well um, from when you first got married to now. How have you thought about or worked through that division of responsibilities? So on that particular one, we're probably a bit more lopsided. Uh, I do most of the kind of financial, the, the, I guess I'd say big, big moves for the house, um, the creation of the budget, uh, managing 401k accounts, stuff like that. Um, Lauren gets brought in whenever there's a big decision to be made, but for the day to day and making sure that, you know, the garbage service gets paid and things like that. That's, that falls all on me. Um, which I'm fine with. We, a long time ago, uh, I would come in, you know, sometime early April and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, Lauren, I spent all this time doing our taxes. Like you really should be thankful. And she would say, that's the (laughs) biggest bologna sandwich I've ever heard because I know you secretly love doing taxes. So (laughs) she, she didn't go for it for a second, but I was going to say, this is like that division of labor playing to our interests. I think a little bit is you're much more interested in these things than I am. Um, so I don't mind that you handle the majority of it. (laughs) You, you enjoy doing taxes? (laughs) Well, I do. You missed your calling, Matt. You know, you can get paid to do that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You don't enjoy actually paying them necessarily, but it's, it's that accounting exercise. It's kind of like a, a budget in reverse. How much did I make? How much did I pay? All that kind of stuff. So yeah, I guess I kind of do, but, uh, that's that's probably pretty strange. Yeah. I feel well, like all right, getting a little bit off topic here. I feel like for Matt, doing the taxes is sort of like learning the rules to a board game. It's like, ah, oh, I have to remember yeah. that you get to make this deduction and like if you have so much mortgage interest. And to him it's like 
ooh, let me make sure I got it all right. Because like, I feel like you used to do it on paper with like the worksheets, and then you'd open up the TurboTax and see if you got it right, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I did actually do them twice a few years. Yeah. Once by hand and once by TurboTax. Well, to see. And then the other thing you didn't mention, so I'm going to kind of get back to the original question here of um, what's the division of labor on the finances stuff. When we were first married, before we had like the family money and the individual accounts, we had separate finances. Um, maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't when we got married, maybe it was before we got married, but either before we got married or shortly after we got married, we had these totally separate finances and I was paying my own cell phone bill and he was paying his own cell phone bill. And Matt would come to me once a month and say, I need, you know, 40% of the household budget because your pay is 40% of mine. And it was just like more complicated than it needed to be. And so I think eventually we, either before we got married or shortly after we got married, we just merged it all. And I was like, well, if we're going to have it merged and we're only going to have one cell phone bill, like I don't need to be involved with paying them. You can just handle it. <laughs> Make it more efficient. I like it. Make it more yeah. Efficient. So, so yeah, it was really overly complicated. It sounds like, and, and it got, cause we've, we haven't talked to anybody that has their finances truly separated. And I think what we've heard is, that's the reason is that it just gets yeah. to be so complex when you share so much other uh, other yeah. resources and okay. stuff. It, it's hard to truly keep them d- re- yeah, divided. It's work. Yeah, it's, it's more work, work to do yeah. it that way. Yeah, we we did start off completely separate. And, you know, what Lauren's referring to, we we looked at our combined income is, is you know, X plus Y. And then our we, we prorated all the bills. So if the rent was a thousand a month, and I made two thousand, and she made one thousand. Then I would pay two thirds of the rent, and she would pay one third of the rent. Um, so we, it was pretty complicated because I, I think it was down to the, you know, well, okay, Matt, you're paying fifty four point six percent of all the shared bills, and um, it <laughs> yeah. was in that period of time what we'd talk about. Remember this, this family. So, uh, you had your separate monies, but then you had the family's expenses, and so at the end of every month. It was a process called the reckoning. The reckoning, yeah. Then the family would come and shake you down. And so I would conduct the monthly reckoning and then I'd say, Lord, the family needs, you know, $1,285 this month. And then, you know, if it went a couple of days, like, family's going to come and break your kneecaps. You better pay what? the family. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was very complicated, and I'm glad we don't have that system anymore. And I yeah. think part of it was we moved out to California for, for Matt's work, and I didn't have a job right away. And so I didn't have any income anymore. And so yeah. I was like, well, all, family yeah. can't shake me down. All of a sudden, it's going to 100 and zero. Uh-huh. Um, and then the problem was, well, I don't, I have no income, so I have no spending money. And that's mm-hmm. when we introduced the allowance system uh, and kind of went from there. Wow. Yeah. The, the re- I love I love that story about the reckoning. But I think it's probably good you shifted away from something that has such negative connotations because yes. then every time you think about money, you think about the mob or you think about who coming to break your kneecaps or something else. But, but I just think it's, yeah. it's great how you've evolved. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, hey, we'll try this and we tweak it yeah. and we do this. And because yeah. everybody's different and, and there isn't one perfect way for married couples. Like this is how you should do it. Everybody has their different ways and it's going to change. And I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. And so how have, have you, as you've changed, tell us about how your communication about money has changed. So it sounds like you, you started early, but 
when you when you started talking about money, was this something you did on a regular basis? Has that has that frequency changed? Has your level of comfort in talking about money changed? How how has that evolved? Yeah, I'll start, Matt, and then you could chime in. So I feel like when we were like dating and then when it was like in our early relationship and in our early marriage, we talked about it like a lot more frequently because we didn't have some of kind of the tools and systems in place that we have now. So we would talk about it, you know, if somebody went out shopping and a charge showed up, maybe the other person would ask like, what is this? I don't know what this is. Um, so it was a lot more frequent, I think, at the beginning and the, the whole monthly reckoning business. There was always discussions about, OK, this is how much you owe. Um, and I think now that we have, you know, the, the allowance systems where, you know, there's just a little bit less oversight and involvement with everything, like, you know, my allowance account, Matt doesn't really see it and have to worry about it. Um, and vice versa. I don't really see his allowance. and don't have to worry about it. But the, like, I think the, the long relationship has probably built up more trust and, and it's more, again, like I'm kind of consulted on more major decisions and not on every decision, which I'm okay with and I feel comfortable with, but there's probably some people out there who'd be like, I cannot believe you're not looking at the statements together every month. What is wrong with you? <laughs> um, but I, I would say nowadays it's probably like I get consulted at tax time. I get consulted if we're making any kind of like shifts yeah. of financial decisions, like moving things around. And we consult each other about big purchases. Like if we were going to buy, I don't know, let's say a new tent for the family, like we would talk to each other about it and plan it. Or if we were going to go on a big vacation, we'll sit down yeah. and plan that out. Um, but just, I don't know, kind of more routine stuff. <clears throat> I generally think that Matt has it under control. And if he needs my opinion, he'll ask for it. Yeah. Um, the other thing, so at this point, I think the overall structure of our system is is pretty stable. Um, but what we will occasionally talk about is is what should be family money and what should be allowance, right? So mm -hmm. before before the pandemic, we had this kind of weird rule, but it was it is what it is that if you brought your lunch from home, the family paid for it because the family paid for groceries. But if you decided to go out to lunch, uh, during the workday, it was your allowance because generally going out to lunch is going to be a lot more expensive than bringing from home and family <laughs> encourages thriftiness. Um, <laughs> but then, <It's> good rule. <laughs> you know, pandemic happened. We're all stuck at home. Um, both Lauren and I are working from home. And so occasionally we would run out and, and get a fast food lunch and the family just has started paying for that in that setting. Right. And so we sat down and talked about it like, Hey, this should be coming out of our allowance. Are you okay with this being family money now in these circumstances? Um, <clears throat> the other thing uh, I want to mention, so with these discussions, the, the family has sort of taken a moral stance where the family will pay for almost anything that could be seen as improving your life. So if you want to sign up for yoga classes, family will do it because the family encourages healthy behavior. If you want to buy a book, family does it because books are educational. Uh, but if I want to buy an Xbox game, no way it's family. That's absolutely allowance, right? Like, where would the, um, where would the family fall on massages? Because I feel like that is really for your health and benefit. Oh uh, my goodness! So, well, and I was gonna say, usually if the both parties are interested, you can convince the family to pay for it. So the family does support massages because we are both interested in massages. So we do have a membership at a massage franchise. 
Excellent. I agree yeah. with but that. But that was an add-on because I think it was originally allowance when it Lauren was only doing it and somehow mm-hmm. I, my arm got twisted. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but the, you know, the other thing you mentioned kind of how things have changed over time. Um, to be frank, we're both mid-career now and just the situation's different, right? The budget was a lot tighter early days. We were trying mm-hmm. to save up for a down payment on a house. You had student loan debt, you had, you know, car payments, a bunch of stuff that at this point we're not dealing with uh, through a combination. I, I like to think of the, the decisions we've made over the past decade, as well as career advancement. Um, so it's, it has gotten a little easier because you're not uh, kind of pinching every penny or, or so those kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. What about um, like financial, so it sounds like it's pretty stable right now, but how about goals? Do you guys talk about regularly or how frequently do you guys talk about financial goals that you have as a couple and, and what, you know, maybe that you're working towards either, either goals for saving or goals for large purchases coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do talk about goals. We could probably do more here, but, uh, You know, the big ones, like when do we see ourselves retiring? You know, is that 55, 65, somewhere in between, somewhere later, that kind of thing. And and so what what do those kinds of things mean Um, for us right now? We've got both kids in daycare, which is was a big, big hit to the budget. Big thing we had to kind of look at. And how do we how do we want to accommodate this? And some of that came into, okay, well, what do we want to do? with regards to vehicle purchases and things like that, those kinds of goals. Um, so we talk about those things and then, you know, some of the more fun stuff, like what do we want to do for vacation? We're actually just talking. I feel like this whole podcast is going to make me sound like I'm, I'm just a big detailed planner guy, but we were talking about maybe we <laughs> well, want to. Is that really those- that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to say, you did have an Excel spreadsheet for the th- first Thanksgiving. We had your family here, like with all the dishes <laughs> laid out. True. So. But yeah, but so we were just talking about, um, so our kids are three and five and we were saying maybe we should make a list for the next 13 years of annual vacations we, we might want to take, right? Because not to, not to borrow trouble, but you know, they're going to go off to college someday, right? And right. If you oh, do yeah. one, an, if you do one vacation a year, um, we got about 13 of them, right? And, and you could probably brainstorm a list of 13 places you might want to go for a family experience with your kids. So maybe it's time to think about now, okay, which, when is it grandma's lake house and when is it Disney world? Right. And, mm-hmm. and what does that mean financially and, and how do we prepare for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh. I was going to say, I know that you guys have like a, a pretty organized system for like, I, I believe, I don't know if you have talked about this on the podcast before, like the state of the marriage meeting yes. every year where you like lay out the financial goals and there's presentations and stuff like, and I love that. That is so clever and like super organized. And I was going to say, Matt and I have generally been like more ad hoc on our kind of just like retirement stuff. And like, I I feel like it kind of just, it comes up somewhat organically, like because we've shifted jobs and it's like, okay, we're going to like refigure out our 401k or like when I was working in government, it was a different thing. And kind of like with all the moves, we've always had to sit down and hammer a few things out. Uh, But we didn't have, you know, like a, an annual, kind of set up meeting to set the big goals. And I was thinking like about that, that you guys do the annual meeting. Um, when we were initially talking about this vacation thing, it was like, yeah, we should sit down and plan out our vacation. There are certainly things we could be more intentional about. And I, I think maybe the past couple of years, we've just been sort of like, 
let's focus on surviving and making sure our children <laughs> stay alive. Um, and now we're getting a little bit past that. <laughs> so we could probably turn our minds again towards longer term goals and really, I don't know, set things up so that we can meet them and so that we can do those kinds of things. But yeah. But but I think you're right. When you need to shift your goals to where you're at in life. And if if you're in a at a spot where you just need to worry about I have to get through the day, then you gotta get through the day and you gotta keep the kids fed. And that that's the priority, right? So yeah. focus on what, what the, the biggest priority is right now and yeah, you'll your goals will change as you go. So you we've you've talked a little bit already about um, how kids have changed uh, your financial decisions, but I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. So the kids have shifted your goals a little bit or a lot. <laughs> um, how how else have has having kids impacted your financial decisions or your financial planning? Um, or even decisions, we haven't talked about this, <clears throat> and your kids are still a little bit little, but I'm sure you're starting to have conversations on, you know, are they going to have to have a job or how are they going to buy their own car? And, I mean, eventually mm-hmm. there's going to probably be some decisions that you guys are going to need to get on the same page. Yeah. So have you started, you know, talking about that or I don't know. Yeah, yeah I'll I mean, let Matt start this one. <laughs> well, I was going to say that the trickiest thing here for me is it is really difficult to understand how much you should be saving for college, right? Because when you're looking at this goal that's, you know, more than a decade away, you there's a wide range in how much college costs, whether it's public or private or, or whatnot. There's a lot of unknowns about the inflation rate of college education, and there's a lot of unknowns about the return you're going to get on your in your 529 account, right? And so that one's been tricky as a parent to figure out, okay, so if I have a three-year-old, how much do I be, need to be putting in this account each month to be prepared when they go to college? On top of that, though, there's this whole kind of conversation about, should I be paying for 100% of college? Should I be paying for something less? Um, for me personally, my parents paid for 50% of college. And maybe it's everybody's experience, but I think it was great because I had skin in the game, right? And I had friends who, uh, I'll date myself a little bit here, but they spent all night playing The Sims and on AOL IM and failed out. And they didn't care because their parents just paid for the next semester anyways. And for me, it'd be like, well, they, my parents weren't just paying for 50%. They were paying for two years. So it was like, okay, if I need an extra semester, that falls in my pocketbook, right? So, you know, a similar thing with these young kids. I'm not sure yet if I'm paying for all of college or some of college or whatever. And who knows, maybe they won't even go to college. Um, but there, there's a lot to think about there. Um, and yeah. that's, you know, it's a major, it's a line item on our budget and and one of the bigger ones. Yeah. Well, and also every, every kid is totally different. Like my family, I'm in the blended family that I have. I'm, I'm one of five kids and we all had very different routes to where we have wound up as adults now. Um, and so I agree with Matt, like we like think it's very important to save for college so that we are ready to help our kids with college when they get to that age. But it is hard to know like what you should be doing and how much will it cost when they get there and will they even go to college? Um, and so that that's like, yeah, it seems so far down the line. But I I agree, like there will definitely need to be some decisions made in the you know, intervening decade here on 
if they're 16 and they want to drive a car, like, is that just mom and dad's old car or do they have to buy their own car? Do they uh, need to pay for the insurance? Do they need to pay for the gas? And, you know, I think at least in my experience, um, those situations were kind of tailored to the child in my family and like the family situation at the time. So, you know, as one of the oldest ones, I always felt like my younger siblings had it way easier. Um, but at the same time, like it's, it is good to make sure kids have skin in the game. So I don't think it, even if you can afford it, I don't think it makes sense to just buy your kid like a brand new car and pay for the insurance and pay for the gas because then they don't get the like experience of learning about those costs and about the responsibility and that, yeah, if I decide to drive, you know, 200 miles for to go to a concert or something like that costs money and you need to be prepared to pay for it. Um, but at the same time, like I also, I grew up and my parents got me a cell phone very early on because my parents were divorced and I was going between two houses and I had to, you know, drive myself to school and, you know, drive myself to my work and drive myself to the other parents' house. And, and they felt it was important to be able to have a way to get a hold of me. Um, and that is, you know, different, I think, in different people's families. And, and obviously, we're a little bit older. So it wasn't the norm to have a cell phone when we were in high school. Um, and if you had one, it was like you were maybe borrowing your parents because you were going out for the evening and they wanted to make sure you were okay. Um, but yeah, just because of like the unique kind of family situation we had, they were like, yeah, we think we are going to pay for you to have a cell phone because we just need to be able to get a hold of you. So I assume we'll, we'll look at the situation kind of when we get there and we'll talk about, you know, what values do we have and do we want to make sure our kids get out of the experience and then try to tailor, you know, our efforts to meet those things. Um, the other thing I was thinking about recently is allowance because we, our kids are a little bit young, I think still for allowance and Matt wants to chime in. Um, I was going to say like before we had kids and we thought we knew everything about parenting, we used to have like these crazy ideas of some like super complicated allowance system. Um, and I'll be interested to hear what Matt has to say about this because we haven't talked about it in a while, but I do think our daughter is getting to the age where she needs to to start to understand money more. Like she's very interested in like, what is a quarter and how does it make a dollar and, and those kinds of things. So I'll turn it back over to Matt for a minute. Yeah. So I, I am very excited to teach our kids about money and allowance. Um, and part of this comes from, I'll give credit to my father. So a funny story, when I was probably about in kindergarten, I got my first allowance. And, and part of that's I'm the youngest of three. So at the time my brother was in sixth grade, probably a little more appropriate for him to get an allowance, but you know, the youngest get, well, I want one too. Right. So my allowance at the time was a quarter a week, 25 cents. And I went to my father and I said, dad, I don't think this is enough money. I need more allowance. <laughs> and he had the best response. He said, well, let's sit down and let's write out a budget of all the things you need to buy and we'll take a look at it. And so we sat down and it was, well, I think I need to buy one plastic airplane model kit every two months and I'll put this much in the donation plate at church mm-hmm. and I probably need this much for candy. And we wrote it all out and divided by 52 and there was some back and forth negotiation. And at the end of the process, I got a raise from 25 cents 
to 27 cents. So every week he gave me a quarter and two pennies. And I was totally satisfied. But I think the the important lesson was, um, yeah, to to build a budget, to look at your spending, to think about what money is going to come in, where it's going to go, um, and start those lessons early. So I'm excited to do that with our kids. Uh, I think some of the complicated stuff Lauren was talking about is I, I have these grand ideas about instilling them with the time value of money and giving them some outrageous interest rate where if they go to the the bank of dad and they, you know, forego their allowance this week, it doubles or something. But I would only be able to do that <laughs> until they caught on. And then it would be like, okay, now you get the real 0.4% that we all get or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. No, I think that's really wise. I mean, we talk a lot, we've had an episode about how like your background and your family, I think really does influence and plays a lot in how you end up, you know, doing things in your own financials and with your kids. And I mean, I think it's, I think I'm excited to see just knowing you guys and what you've done in the 13 years you've been married and how you've worked through things and talked through things and come up with creative ideas. I think it's, it's going to be fun to see, you know, what you guys decide with your kids. So I'm excited to to hear and see that along the way. Yeah. And so you're going to yeah. have to come have us come back on in 10 years and we can tell you where, yes. where we got it right and where we screwed it up. <laughs> yeah, we, we would love to have you back. <laughs> so, no, you, I've really enjoyed the conversation today. Thank you so much for joining us. It's really been a pleasure speaking with you. Um, it, I feel like, um, once again, we're, it, there's just so much wisdom coming here. No, <laughs> we could go on and on. We'll have to do another episode. So, um, yeah, we really appreciate it. I hope I hope our audience uh, was able to pick up a, a few good nuggets here from from our conversation. I know I certainly did. So, um, really appreciate you joining. I think that about wraps up our conversation for today. Uh, we would love to hear what our audience is, is is doing and saying with their conversations about money, how they've gone, or to take questions on a future episode. Uh, go ahead and email us at marriageandmoneypodcast at gmail.com, or you can message us on Instagram at marriage.and.money. Uh, thanks again for joining us this week, and remember that whether you're a spender or a saver, your best financial life lies somewhere in the middle.